Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the fifth, fifth, fourth, yep. fifth, sixth, too many episodes, I can't count, fifth episode of the Pit Boss Podcast. I'm Briar. I'm Spicy. We're here to talk about everything dirt, a little bit of asphalt, and then we got a great interview with you from Zane Default, Default, uh, Zane Default from Plymouth, Indiana. He's going to be joining us for about a 50-minute video or interview. It's pretty good to hear from him and hear who he grew up racing around, all that. So uh, sit back, grab a beer or a Kool-Aid, whatever you guys want, and enjoy this uh, episode. Uh, we're going to give you a warning now. Old Spicy's got too much uh, glizzies down his throat. He's a little horsey today. So we're going to be safe with that. But uh, let's start off with some World of Outlaws. They were at River City Speedway this weekend. And Logan Schuhart takes the dub there. Uh, Hotta Shield and then Dan, Donnie Schatz, uh, top three. Um, that's pretty much the night. I mean, looking at it from 17th on back, <laughs> I mean, they were all DNFs. 17th through 24th is out. Um, no big names I can see from now. Uh, biggest char- or hard charger is Brock Zierfoss. Zierfoss, excuse me. He was uh, 12 spots up, started 22nd, finished 10th. Uh, we're going to go to the next night. I believe they were at the same place. Oh, no. Red River Valley. They're there. Um, Logan Schuhart. Again, that's two dubs in a row for this weekend. He had a pretty good running this weekend. Um, only two DNFs there, so <laughs> a lot better the second night. Um, <clears throat> David Gravel, Buddy Colfoyd. They ran out the top three. The biggest, the hardest charger was Tanner Holmes, a name that gets brought up in the, the interview. Or not that I know, because we haven't done it yet, right? We haven't done the interview yet. <laughs> you, well, you already said the time. But anyways, Tanner Holmes, biggest mover of the night, plus eight, started 19th, finishes 12th. And Tanner Holmes just continues his run of, you know, good finishes. I mean, he he won last chance there. Um, not too bad for Tanner Holmes. We go on to the late model series. Only two races for the sprint cars this year, or this week, excuse me. Um, smooth operator, Bobby Pierce, he takes the dub. Uh, Dennis Herb Jr. and Brandon Shepard round out top three. Nick Hoffman was in the top four. And then Brian Shirley, he was actually not the hard charger, but he started 16th, ended up 6th. And then Ryan Gustin. He was 23rd, finished 12th. He was your hard charger. Um, Johnny Scott, something happened with him. He had $0 in his money, so that's interesting there. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Smooth Operator takes a dub there. Next night, what do you think? Who do you think wins? I guess neither the Smooth Operator, maybe Hoffman even. Smooth Operator, Bobby Pierce. Starting third, finished with a dub there. That's another paycheck. Good paycheck for him. Chris Madden, Brandon Shepard. Round out your top three, and then you're going to have, I believe it's a tie between Ryan Gustin and Brent Larson, up nine spots. Larson was 24th to 15th, and <clears throat> Gustin was, where, where did I just see that? I'm blind. Gustin was 15th to 6th, so he had a pretty decent run there as well. Um, that's two $10,000 wins for Bobby Pierce. We go into the next night. Bobby Pierce ain't have very good luck. I mean, he still makes a feature. Started fourth, finished ninth in there. So, I mean, he goes from winning two nights in a row to, what is that, minus four 
minus five. Yeah, minus me. four. Minus five, so he's fourth to ninth. Uh, but Brandon Shepard, B. Shep, gets the dub there in the B5, Tanner English. Gets second, and Ryan Gustin third. Gustin had a good week, solid three days. Bobby Pierce wins the first two nights, finishes sixth. Not too bad. I mean, 10,000, 10,000, I believe 3,300, yeah. So not too bad there. Uh, B. Shep gets the dub. And then uh, let's go talk about USAC. They are at Kokomo for a SmackDown, correct? Yep, they were and there Thursday through Saturday. Can we just rename it Justin Grant uh, SmackDown instead of the Kokomo SmackDown? Because that's essentially what it was. Yeah, that I watched a few of the races. I watched one here in my dorm uh, Thursday, Friday. Me, well, I really didn't watch it, but at a friend's wedding, we had it on. And then Saturday, uh, my buddy Chad had it on in the trailer. And anytime Justin Grant hit the track, I mean, there was no no contest of even anyone being close to him. The closest someone was to him is when he was lapping them. I'm not going to lie. I had thought about going to the SmackDown. But I also just, I coached two games that day, so I was not really, I was wanting to, then I was like, I got to think, I was like, man. Don't want to feel the heat? It wasn't really the heat, it was just, I knew, like, there ain't no way Justin Grant's going to win the first three nights and not win the third, like, you know what I'm saying? You mean the first two, not the final? But not the final, it's like, I knew, and then, I my fat ass went to Canes because I love raising Canes and I looked on my phone and I saw somebody mention, if you can win eight seconds in Kokomo, you can win anywhere with that car. And I was just like, man, I'm happy. I didn't go. Congrats to JG, but he put a spanking on him. Every time on the track, not even just features. It was qualifying. It was hot laps. It was, or not hot laps, but heat race. It was the king of the hill. It was the dash. I mean, feature. Anytime he hit the track, he was undoubtedly the fastest car every time he hit that track. Then he turned around and ran Silver Crown at Worldwide Technology, and he finished third. Started ninth, finished third. He was a hard charger that race. So dirt, asphalt, he was running. He was running it this weekend. He was a man on a mission. I will say that. Definitely on a mission. Now, let's go over to... Oh, no midgets. USAC didn't run any midgets. Um, uh, Extreme did, though, Extreme over the did. weekend. You, you got the stats for that, correct? I do. All right. Um, it over to you, Spicy. So, for your Saturday, or your Friday race, my bad, uh, your winner was Zach Dom. Uh, your second place was Cannon McIntosh, and your third place was Hayden Reinbold. But it looks like your biggest mover here was uh, Tyler, Taylor Reimer. Oh, God, I butchered that one so bad. Uh, they were up plus eight from 13th to eight, or 5th. And then biggest loser here, I'm guessing, oh, yeah, must have had an on-track accident. Ryan Timms went down 12 because he started on the pole. Flying so, not a not a great run for him. I know he's been looking to he's do been, really good there and say, has been, been doing pretty 
relatively well. Yeah, he's not been too bad. I know he's been trying to go with uh, the Kyle Larson series a little bit here and there when they run, but besides that, I mean, he's not doing too bad, I would say. No, he's definitely got a good uh, team there with, I believe he's with Keith Coons, am I wrong? Because he's with that JBL. I think he is there with that, and then when they go to Extreme, I'm pretty sure that's like his own deal with sponsors, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, Ryan, fine, Ryan Timms, he's young, too. Pretty sure yeah, he's, he's another, say, I'm probably sure younger than me. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not out of high school yet. So, it's good to see young guys get in there and step up. Yeah, uh, and then on your Saturday night, your winner was Gavin Miller, who was also your hard charger, up 10 from 11th to 1st. Second place was Ryan Timms. And third place was Jade Averdesian. How, how do you say that? Averdesian. Is it Averdesian or is it Averdesian? I don't know. I've heard it said. I'm just saying. Time, so. I'm just saying what I think it is. <laughs> Not saying it's right, but that's what I'm saying. Gavin Miller winning for the BWFC club. <laughs> Getting the dub out there in the extreme midgets. Um, was that the only? ones you got for them or is there more um i uh saw they ran thursday but i did not see any results from uh, the thursday night so i got you let's move on to some asphalt stuff let's talk about indycar first i watched that race uh, you said you didn't usually you're the one who watches it and not me and so I'm yeah, sorry. I was a little I just busy my, driving back to my, indy i looked out my window and there's some random guy walking by my by my street, and we never have that happen, so I kind of peeking at it and make sure they don't steal my whip. Anyways, <laughs> but yeah, IndyCar, um, Scott Dixon, man, he's just on a tear the past couple of races. That was a fuel strategy race. He only had three stops, and the Pato Award had five. So, I mean, he was able to save tire, run what he needed to. Um, yeah, it was just David Malkus, he was... Third, Malukas. Malukas, I don't give. Uh, yeah, Malukas. He ended up third. Uh, Rossi, McLaughlin, um, Newgarden hit the wall, so that kind of ruined his stuff. Sakoto, Takamo. I don't know how to say his name. Hold on, let me see. If I see it, I know how to say it. Takuma Soto, Takuma Sato. Ha! He had another wall and um, ruined his day. Erickson, though, Marcus Erickson. Announced that he's leaving and going to Andrade Autosports. I'm honestly excited for that. Just because Andretti has had a good year. But they really haven't done much to capitalize on their good year. Yeah. So seeing that they're making the move to get a, in my eyes, a really good driver. Who you know can win at any given moment. Is going there. I think they're gonna, they have the potential to have a... Great season next year. Now let's go to truck race. I personally forgot that they were running on Sunday. <laughs> I forgot a lot. Yeah, they were Sunday. right after the Arca race. Yeah, and they ran. It was essentially butted up right next to IndyCar. Like IndyCar ended, and they were like just starting. They raced at the Milwaukee Mile. Uh, Josevar led a handful of laps but at the end of it. Uh, I want to say. I want to say Grant Infinger. No, was it Grant Infinger that one? I did not watch the trucks. I watched the Arca. I want to I say I did not watch the trucks. I want to say Grant Infinger won. 
but uh, I did see that Josevar had like a little slide job that ran into him and uh, tried holding the lead for as long as he can, but he couldn't make the pass, couldn't hold on to it. Um, it was Grant Aimfinger. He takes a dub. He uh, is officially locked into the next round. I don't know how they do their rounds. It's a round of eight. So they get a round of 10, round of eight. So then Aimfinger's uh, locked in. Ben Rhodes is on the cut line. He is three points out of it. So, I mean, Truck Race has a good race. Matt Benedetto is 20 points out of it. That's not impossible, but... That takes some luck. Matt Benedetto, dude, he... I don't, I don't know how to explain him. He He's one of the more lovable people in the garages, but also, like, one of those people you're just like, man, like, you got to do something. And so he is 20 points back. They're going to Kansas. That's their next race. Um, another, uh, another cookie cutter. Um, something Josevar has been good at. Zane Smith. Heim. So it's going to be a good battle with them. Uh, winning your end situations. Ty Majewski's already in, I believe. So it's Heim, Eckes, Josevar, Smith, Crafton, Sanchez all battling for that spot. Uh, Smith is only 29 spots up. Josevar is 56. So, I mean, Josevar has two bad races. He's possibly out of the playoffs, and that's disappointing for the season he's had. Yeah, especially since he got, I believe he got his first win this year, too. I believe I was watching that. I think it came down to a technicality, but at that point, you got to take what you get. There isn't oh, no... yeah, it did happen, but then he... Oh, went... I really didn't get it, but no. You you got to take that. That That's serious big money you know championship opens up opens up opportunities for maybe the xfinity series or even just getting more sponsors behind you too but yeah i mean he won nashville though too so it wasn't like it was luck or anything he he won nashville um cookie cutter is also a good thing for him so we'll see how they go in kansas we go to the xfinity series Man, what a race. Did you happen to catch the finishing there? I did not. It was like .006 with Justin Allgaier taking the dub there. Um, Sheldon Creed, the guy that's been on the cutoff, he was second. He, he bumped him up. He went from the cutoff to seventh right now in playoff points. Uh, Riley Herbs is in the battle. Brandon Jones, Brett Moffitt. Um, I'm going to be real honest. I don't see anybody outside of Jones making it. Jones is minus 88 to the cut line. Riley Herbst is minus 20 to the cut line. So unless one of them win, I, I think it's going to be tough for them to see any sort of chance in the playoffs. Um, Jeb Burton, a big surprise to a lot of people. He actually made it. Like He is in the playoffs right now as we stand. He does have a win. And then you have Sammy Smith. Josh Berry, who is going to Cup next year. He's in sixth right now in playoffs. And then Chandler Smith, Sam Mayer, Cole Custer, Allgaier, Nemechek, Hill. Um, we go to Darlington. JR Motorsports is known for kind of running that track a little bit here lately. But that was also with Noah Gregson, the uh, forbidden word, I guess you should say. Uh, forbidden name in NASCAR right now. But, uh, yeah, so look for one of the JR's cars. Um, I don't see why a colleague, Daniel Hemmer, couldn't win it. Um, 
Cole Custer, Austin Hill. Yeah. So uh, Nemechek's also good. So look for those cars to take some dubs. Um, next we go to the Cup Series. Wow. I mean, that was some hard wrecks. Uh, let's get to Blaney's wrecks first. I don't know if you saw the pictures or saw what anything looked like, but there was like a side-by-side -side picture of what of what Jun Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s picture like thing was. So it, he hit it just right. That just goes to show how NASCAR has essentially how safety proof it's been right now. Yeah, and it also goes to show like some of these engineers that are putting in double time to even, you know, maybe rework the chassis so it doesn't bend as much or, you know, to really keep that driver safe. Like the engineering now on the seats, you know, back in the day you'd see the half seats that maybe have a headrest. To now it's you're fully in a seat. You are full containment seat. So it's just great to see that people have been stepping up and and the work shows off that the safety equipment really does do what it's meant to do. And then the wreck that everybody was talking about, the Ryan P Priest flip. When's the last time that you saw such a violent flip? In in all honesty, it was it reminded me a lot of the King from Cars. Uh, I did just, see that. Um, like just the way he took air. I know that. It, how I'm surprised he was able to get out of the car. Like I just, it was it was scary. I was. He didn't. I was watching it on my way back from Lafayette, and I saw. I go, oh fuck! Excuse my language, but like my fiance was like, what, what? And I'm I do this as a bad habit. I usually have a race or something on like a little phone holder on the way home, and I was like, look, and it's just. I was just like. I'm honestly scared to where this is and where it could be and what it could come out of it. But he comes out on his own power, good to go. Just, man, I'm I'm thankful for NASCAR's safety protocols. I'm thankful for where they're at nowadays. It was something that I, as a fan, don't like to see, and I'm happy that he walked away from it. Yeah, no one ever wants to see a wreck like that where you don't even know if the driver's getting out. <clears throat> and, Those and, wrecks are just never great for the sport or just people in general, you know. Yeah. Doing what they love, doing their job, and you don't even know if they're going to get out the the car. Yeah, it was definitely scary, to say the least. Um, bright side, Christopher Busher takes his fifth dub of the year? No. His third, third dub, I think. Third dub in five races. So the past three races, he has been on fire. Um, I mean, I don't know. What Pretty good percentage. 60% win percentage in the last five races ain't bad. With his win, it puts Bubba in on points. So the three drivers in on points are Bubba, Kevin Harvick, and I believe Brad Keselowski. Those are the three drivers that are on points. Um, Bubba is the last car. To make it, he is eight points away from the cut line right now. I mean, every it, it essentially resets except for certain things. Um, Harvick's four, Stenhouse is 
three, McDowell's one point away, and then Blaney is Blaney Logano are the first two above the cut line, plus one, Reddick plus two, blah blah blah. Um, William and William Byram is tied with Martin Truex, who Martin Truex won the regular season champ. He got bonus points, and to see that Byron was able to maintain his position due to playoff points, like, it's interesting to see how this season ends for Byron. Um, Notable people that didn't make it. Chase Elliott. What a name to not make the playoffs. Yeah, no kidding, especially someone that's been so big and popular these past handful of years. I mean, he was... I think he made it the past few years as well, and I think to not make it this years. year. I think it's been seven years that he's made it in a row. Yeah, I mean, when you have have a streak so long of making it, and then you just don't make it, it's kind of throws people off. And let's be—I mean, he probably could have pointed his way in, but at the same time, if you think about it, three cars pointed their way in. His teammate Bowman didn't even make it. Three-fourths of Stuart Haas Racing didn't make it, so the only person in Stuart Haas to make it was Harvick. Um, Joe Gibbs Racing has, I'm pretty sure, all their cars in it. Maybe. No. Who's not in no, it? No, because Ty, Ty Gibbs. You said Ty Joe Gibbs. Gibbs. You say, I don't think he made it at all. Nope, but Truax, Hamlin, Bell's in it. Kyle Busch is in it. Austin Dillon isn't in it. That's a name that usually sneaks in. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how NASCAR is with the playoffs. They go to Darlington, Las Vegas, and then Bristol Knight to end out the round of 16. Bristol Knight always puts on a good show. Um, oh, yeah, Bristol in general is a good show. If we're looking at it, Darlington, that Hamlin's won there, Truex, Kyle Larson's been fast. Heck, last year Eric Jones won this race. So I'm not saying it's a crapshoot, but also, like, look for, I would say look for a Hendrick or Gibbs car to win, in my opinion. So don't, I mean, Busher is great and everything, but Darlington just takes a lot more experience, in my opinion. So I would look forward to somebody like Larson or Hamlin or Truax to win it. I could see Kyle Busch even sneaking in a win. Um, after that, they go to... Las Vegas, which is a, another cookie cutter. Uh, I think I think Byron takes that again. I think I think Byron takes that. Um, I would say look out for like Blaney or Reddick, but like I said, I, I if if I had a guess, I would say Byron. And then if we were going to Bristol Night, man, Bush's name just pops out for me. Bush has been decent there. I think if he needs to win to get in, which I don't think he needs to, but I think he could easily. Well, win I think he already has a win this year to lock him in. Well, it the this goes on the round of twelve. Oh. So. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Um, but also you could somebody who didn't win Chase Elliott could win there. I mean, it's just a crapshoot. Um, we go back to Vegas. Vegas Bowman's won there before. So, I mean, it's interesting to see how the playoffs work. I'm interested to see how they go. I like the playoff system, but I will say the one thing that is the downside to playoff system is you could win every race, 
but the last one and not win the championship. Yeah, that can kind of be a little crooked. Because, like, you did all this work during the season, you know, basically throughout the entire races you ran, and you don't even get the reward at the end. Sometimes I think it kind of should be just off of points in general. Don't even include the win. Go back and because you Because you figure they also let all the other people race as well. So let's just say some random... I don't know. Let's just say some person who didn't even make the playoffs in the first place goes and wins that race by chance. Well, he just won. Plain and simple. That's not how the playoffs work. No? That's not how I, I thought whoever won the race was considered, or I guess it would be anyone within the playoffs. Whoever finishes playoffs, best in the playoffs, it? yeah. Whoever finishes best in the playoffs. Um, let's go to our beloved US 24. Um, let's start out with the junior sprints. Uh, where's that at? Noah Betts, P2 to P1. McKenna Crin, P3 to 2nd. Riley Conley, he. I would say a good run, P8 to P3. Declan Fitzpatrick, P12 to 4. Miles Bartley, 9 to 5. And then, yeah, Declan Fitzpatrick, he was hard charger. Started 12th, finished 4th. So uh, congrats to him on the little hard charge there. That's, that's not who the hard charger was, believe it or not. Who was the hard charger? Leland Dice. He went up plus 10. In the, 16 in the, to 6. In the junior sprints? Yeah. I'm going to have to fire Sheetsy, man. I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> but, hey. And I got it pulled up right here, and it says <laughs> plus 10 for Leland Dice. Shout out to him for a hard charger. Uh, let's go to Restricted. You got Kale Cannon, P7 to P1. Jackson I think Peters. he's become a pretty constant uh, winner nowadays, eh? It sounds like it's pretty constant to me. Um, I'm pretty sure last time we've read these off, the past three times he's been the winner. Um, Jackson Peters, P4 to P2. Adam Artman, P3. Started P3, so into P3. J.J. Williams, P9. Started P9, ended P4. Cruz Stanfield, started P6, ended P5. This is what I have for hard charger. I have Liam Ball, P20 to P10. That's what I got as well this time. Shout out to Sheetsy there, baby. Um, Let's go to senior class. Russ Gamester, P3 to P1. Uh-oh, was there something I missed in there? Uh, I don't think anyone may have pointed this out, and, you know, it may not be a huge thing, but the seniors went green to checkered. Ooh, winner, winner, coffee, dinner, baby. Like, I, I like, oh, I got time to go use the bathroom. Well, when I came back, hell, they were already throwing the checkered flag. You taking a what? shit in there? Yeah. <laughs> Um, Gangster takes the dub from P3. Roger Ritchie, P2 to P2. Ron Dennis, P5 to P3. Wayne Miller, P9 to P4. Bill Malcott, Malco? Yeah, we'll go with Malco. I think Malco. P4 to P5. He dropped a spot. Uh, Wayne Miller, P9 to P4 is what I have for Hard Charger. Yep. Alrighty. Um, let's go to A-Wing. We have the Charlie Allen, P1. Blaine Colt, P2. Parker Perry, P5 to P3. Megan Conley, Cooley, excuse me, Megan Cooley, P4. And Cannon Posey, P3. It looked like there wasn't a lot of uh, racing there. I mean, Jackson Lottaball came from 15th to 9. Hard Charger, correct? 
Yes. Okay. No, actually, oh, no. David Bird. Seventeenth to tenth. Dang it, Sheetsy! Come on, man. Fired. He's up seven. So <sighs> one more than Lauderball. Sheetsy, Sheetsy, Sheetsy. Anywho, it looks like there wasn't a lot of passing in the top five. I mean, Parker Perry went P five to P three. Cannon Posey dropped two spots. Cooley, Culp, and Allen all stayed their own positions. I mean, congrats to Charlie Allen, another uh, BWFC uh, member. Congrats on the dub. And then uh, let's go to what do you want to do first? Outlaw non wing or you want to go uh, a non wing? Uh, I mean, you could save Outlaw for last since they technically had a big race this weekend with the Richard Sterling Memorial. All right, let's go to a non-wing. Caleb Sheetsy takes the dub again, P4 to P1. Parker League, P5 to P2. Bo Brandon, P6 to P3. Austin Burnworth, P2 to P4. Bill Malco, P12 to P5. Is this one right, Caleb Bolton, 19 to 9? Yep. Caleb Bolton, yep. K-Bob. See, I grew up with Caleb Bolton, and I, man, I love seeing him race. Um, one of my favorite memories of Caleb Bolton was the Sprague. He was... I want to say he was like 22nd or 23rd. He was like one of the last cars. But that freaking wheel man wheeled it into the top six to lock himself into the night, the night later, the next night. Like that is one of my memories of like Caleb Bolton. Like if you ever watch Caleb Bolton, he's always elbows up. And uh, yeah, like I'm happy to see him back in a car. I know with work and other problems, situation, he can't really get in it. But that that is one kid, man. He's a he's a driver, so it's good to see him. Um, like you said, Sterling Memorial, Stone Sharp takes the dub. I did see the trophy. That was a cool-looking trophy. Um, oh, I thought it was pretty pretty nice as well. You know, It's a nice uh, piece to hang on the wall, definitely, to kind of showcase as why well. You, why are you so awkward? What do you mean? It was it was a nice piece. <laughs> Anyways, Mo Brandon P six to P two, Springer P eight to P three, Gangsters P seven to P four, and then Caleb Sheetsy man. BWFC eighteen to five. I have him as a hard charger. He made the notes. Is that right or wrong? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure plus 13. Yeah. Okay, okay. I just want to yeah. make sure. Um, that rounds it out for uh, 24. I got to I, I gotta ask you. Did they make any judgment calls this weekend? They did not. Was there and calls? Did I say it like that? Because there were, in my eyes, I mean, I've never raced, so I don't have that racing mind. From a fan perspective, there was a few instances where I felt like they really could have definitely applied that. There were some sketchy sliders, definitely, like, you know, the one of some of those short sliders that were kind of like, where you kind of grit your teeth and you're like, ooh, why did you just do that? And there were some people moving each other out the way. and So I definitely think there could have been some calls, but they didn't. And then I know one thing was there were some rowdy uh, fans in the stands Saturday as well. They were throwing stuff at drivers on track. That was not cool at all. Not fun. 
they were donuts, you'd be running out there, wouldn't you? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> a little oh, dirty man. for me. Hey, can't can't do the five second rule. I can't get my fat ass out there, Frank, quick enough. Oh man. Uh, well, there goes that portion of the podcast. We're gonna slide on into an interview with Zane Devault. Talk about his life in racing, how he got started, where he's at now, the situation he's in. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I've known him for a long time, family, friends. So it's interesting to see his side of racing. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to our interview segment here. We got uh, somebody from Plymouth, Indiana down here. He's been around uh, here recently around the eastern side of Indiana, or not Indiana, eastern side of the United States running sprint cars. And uh, it was North Carolina where you were at? Yes, sir. North Carolina. Uh, Zane DeVault, driver of the number 77 around here. If you ever, ever watch him, seen or watch or seen him drive a 360 around here. Um, Zane, you're home now, you said, right? Yes, sir. Home for for a while, hopefully. <clears throat> so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of start off there. You were running for a team out in North Carolina. Um, you said things didn't really get to where you wanted to and now you're back home um looking forward what what are the plans like with you uh, uh nothing right now um i actually made a few few phone calls today um trying to find out what the next journey is um there's a few teams out there but and you know how how things are nowadays it's just uh far and few between uh with teams and everything you got to bring money and everything and obviously you know, we grew up together and everything. You know how that is with me. It's not my mom and dad don't have money, um, but uh, I'll bust my ass uh, and, and do what do what it takes. But sometimes that that just doesn't cut it nowadays. You know, they w- want you to bring money and you know the cost of, of racing. Uh, you guys have talked about it over the last couple podcasts. It's just it's crazy. So uh, it's getting harder and harder. But made a few phone calls and hopefully something something comes up. Well, with that said, are you still trying to go down the wing path? Or are you trying to look for non-wing rides, micro rides? What's your go-to here? So, I mean, I would like to run wing. Obviously, you've seen Chris Windham, Tyler Courtney, and every everyone try to go over there to the wing side. Um, there's just man, it's it's so much easier to make money and keep a operation going and everything in there. Um, you know, USAC's starting to kind of up their pay, which is good. Um, but really, at this point, um, I'd drive about anything. Uh, I mean, if it was a if it was a three wheeler, I'd drive that thing. So, so you're home now, where you're coming from. Let's start off. You started out with quarter midgets, correct, down in Kokomo? Yep, yep. And then, how did you win any in the quarter midgets, or how how was quarter midgets? Oh yeah, for you? oh yeah. I uh, it was pretty good. Like I was in the good era. Um, you know, I, I we were all buddies with uh, Justin Haley and and Spencer Baston and Justin Peck, and you know there was just there was a lot of great people in that area that that we raced against. I mean, there was hundreds of cars that that raced back then. Now, you know, you go there and there's maybe fifty cars altogether. You know, and I mean, back in the day. The grands and the states races. I mean, there was 300 cars. There was people parked out on the road with haulers and everything. So 
Um, it's just not the same as what it used to be. But, um, yeah, I, I won the state's state points and everything against Justin Haley, or uh, I mean against Justin Peck, I mean. Um, it was actually, we were tied in points and it went to criteria. Um, that was when Mini Indy was still running every uh, on a weekly deal, Kokomo, and then we ran two races at Terre Haute also on the dirt track. So that was pretty cool. Um, but I won a lot in there. I mean, we just raced mainly Kokomo. We'd run Mini Indy when Kokomo would have a weekend off, but um, won the points deal and everything there. Um, and then went to mini sprints for a year, took a year off, and then went to sprint cars. So, so you're in micros after your quarter midgets. What what age were you? St- did you do your little mini sprint deal? Uh, I was 11 because at 12 I took a year off. Yeah, so I was 11 years old. I ran it, ran it. Uh, well, back then it was Miami County. You know. Um. Um. Now it's nothing. And then. Yeah, now it's nothing. Now it's nothing. Yeah. But uh and then I, I ran a couple races at Logan Sport and everything and then took took a year off and then went sprint car racing. So were you straight in a three sixties or were you three oh five when you went straight? Nope. Straight into three sixties. At that point it was sod. Um we ran with sod back then. Uh and ran ran Butler yeah. on a weekly deal here and there when we had the money too and everything back then. And you were in family-owned equipment, correct? Yep, yep. I was in family-owned until 2019, until I got my got in a four-time. Um, your dad, did your dad race, correct? Yeah, yeah, he ran mini sprints back in the day. That's what yep. I thought. Drag raced and then, then went to mini sprints. Um, and he he actually helped... Him and Rodney traveled. Rodney Staley and everything traveled uh, to Camden together. I mean, that was that's a long time ago. So, but yeah, he uh, had a concept, had a concept and everything. So, so kind of. So you skipped the micro stage. What, what in you wanted to skip it? Was it you? Was it family? Was it you? Just didn't feel like you were at that level. What What made you just completely skip micros? Um, at that point, I ran for Jim Ray. Um, we didn't own a micro. Um, and obviously, like you guys have talked about and everything, man, everything's getting so expensive. You can run a micro just basically for the same amount of money as you can put into a sprint car. Um, and you're racing for more in a sprint car and everything nowadays. Um, and, I mean, yeah, it's closer and everything. But at that point in time, it was it was make a decision. Do you want to try to try to do this for a living or just as a hobby. Um, obviously, you know, there's, there's select few that can do it for a living, uh, with the mini sprints and everything, but they still have, usually they, they have day jobs, you know? Um, and, and it might be with, with the micro deal or whatever, but, um, just as a driver, just show up, be a driver, do as a living, do it for a living, uh, is very rare you know, uh, for micros, but obviously in the sprint car world, it, it, it's a lot easier to achieve. So we, uh, essentially just wanted to jump straight to that. Um, and, and obviously it's a different, different beast, you know, between the micros and the, and the sprint car. So didn't want to create any bad habits and everything that you create in the micro to go to the sprint car. Um, and you know, you see all these young people coming in now 
you know, everyone's on a stopwatch nowadays. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't just, you can't come in at 30 years old and decide, Hey, I'm going to set the world on fire and I'm going to get all these rights. You know, they want, they want longevity. They want someone young that, that can grab attention. So it was, uh, it was as young as possible to get in, in a sprint car and, and start making, making some noise was the best thing to do. So that's what we chose to do. Now, making your decision between wing and non-wing what was it the money or was it just hey like i prefer wing what what was the choice there um it was we tossed around the idea and everything and actually uh kevin atkins was the one that really pushed my dad to to get me in a sprint car and and not go into a mini sprint and everything um but yeah it was kind of the money um i mean back then it it would have been crazy to uh to try and compete at the non-wing stage i mean you had kokomo running every saturday or every sunday and it's not like you can go to butler and and it's an entry level you know sprint car race and everything back then and you know you go to kokomo on a sunday it was a usac show you know it it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't no easy you were (laughs) fighting to you were fighting in the back of the b main and and, you know you at that point in time you weren't going to get a lot of laps so that's kind of why we at that point decided we'll just go wing racing and uh you know to buy a 410 it was so much it was back then it was a little difference not a big difference but uh it was cheaper to do a 360 um and sod was a traveling deal they paid a little better through the back through the field uh which where we obviously knew we were going to be so that's kind of the way we took now, did you win any in a micro, or was it just uh, one? I won. Strand? I won one race. I won one race. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you take your year off. Was that a year for you, kind of just to relax, or was that just them trying to figure out what your next step was? No. So Jim and Karen um, and and their kid Travis also raced at that point in time, and um. I think they were kind of on the verge of getting out of it at that point. Um, and we had some things together for the, for the sprint car deal, but didn't have everything completely together. Um, so we just kind of took a year off. We actually traveled around with Kevin Atkins while he was racing and kind of learned, learned what all we needed to do and everything um, on the sprint car deal to get ready for our first year. So, um it was basically money like i said you know obviously my family don't have a lot of money so um we kind of just took a year off to save some money and and get ready for that next year so now you're sitting 13 and you're racing against people i mean what like 40 45 ish oh yeah yeah and what yeah what is your when you first step out on a 360 on a full track what what was your thought do you even remember it I remember it very, very well. Um, we we get there. Um, we bought used tires from Brett Mann, and we're both in the B main. And I go in the corner, and the Jacobs ladder broke. And <laughs> me and Brett, Brett or Brett Mann, my bad, Brett Mann. Me and Brett Mann, we collided, and Brett Mann comes over. I'm 13 years old. My seat is so small that it looks like a booster seat. <laughs> And he comes up and he goes, son, you got a lot to learn. And I'm like shivering, man. I didn't know what to do. Um, and I, I come in and 
And Kevin Atkins goes, come on, we're going to go down there and talk to Brett Mann. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like this guy was ready to rip my head off. Like, this is not good. So, anyways, we go down there. And the first thing Kevin Atkins says, and I'm thinking, like, he's going to, like, be like, hey, he's sorry, whatever. And he's like, what in the hell were you even doing in the B-Main? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so ever since then, me and Brett Mann have been, been pretty close and pretty good buddies. But, but yeah, I mean – he he explained that you know something broke in the car and everything, but yeah, it was that that first experience was pretty crazy and uh, and and we actually ended up buying some more used tires from him and went to Butler the very next weekend, um, and that was when Doug Zimmerman and everyone was dominating back in the day there, and uh, we run our heat race, and that was when they did the pill draw under the bleachers. And I got second in my heat race, and I'm like, awesome, I'm in the pill draw. I'm hoping, like, start mid-pack. No, no. <laughs> Once in my life, I drew the one, and I'm like, oh, my God. And the only thing I was worried about is I look at Doug Zimmerman, and I'm like, how do I do the four wide? What do I do? <laughs> like, like, that was the only thing I was worried about, because you just go to the bottom. You're good. <laughs> and so, but, yeah, it, it was it was uh it was pretty nerve wracking, you know. You're 14 years old and you're standing up there, ready to. I think it, back then we had three heat races and and top two redrew, so it was for the top six. And uh, I was like, they were all up there laughing and they're asking how old I was. And actually, my birthday was that next, or it was that Tuesday. So I was 14 at that point, um, and I, I I said I was 14, and I think the next youngest person in the redraw was like 30 years or i think they were 30 or 31 years old and so we were all laughing about that and they were all making fun of me and everything but yeah you know it, it's i don't know it's it's a different way different way of thinking at that point um it's it's crazy now to think oh my gosh i was 14 years old racing against all these 30 year olds and everything but i mean you know i feel i feel like you you mature a lot faster than in that in that state um you know you can't you can't be some 14 year old that you know is on instagram posting about girlfriends and everything you gotta you gotta be focused you know you're you're uh you're driving something that you know obviously can kill you i mean and, and really hurt you so um and, and we didn't have a lot of money obviously and, and we didn't have the best of equipment um and you know it was it was it was a learning curve. Obviously, yeah. um, we went out there and actually the car, we we led like the first six laps and the car kicked out of gear and I coasted to the infield and and all what happened was the link would, linkage broke on the rear end and and uh, my dad's like I'm happy, I don't care, we're good, we're going home it's in one piece and Kevin Atkins like you should have stopped on the track and put it back in gear obviously but you know what <laughs> learning curve thing but my dad's like nope nope I'm good. My 14-year-old just ran at Butler, started on the pole. He's like, I didn't even watch the first six laps. He's like, so, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's definitely scary. I mean, you know, you see all these other young people coming in now, and, and things are a lot different now, you know. They've got midgets and everything as kind of more of a stepping stone, you know. Yeah. Back then, to run a midget, it wasn't, there wasn't there that was a big of, of a field. Yeah. Correct, correct. And, and, and it was more like, you know, they raced down south with more of the non-wing stuff back then, um, and, and they didn't run Mount Pillar and everything that was close here. Um, so, 
that wasn't kind of the option. The Kenyan midgets were kind of started at that point. There's um, a little bit of TQ midgets too around a crack. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But they were kind of like, they were just starting yeah. on the mend of trying to build everything. Um, and we didn't really want to get, the big thing was, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. So we didn't want to get trapped with something that you yeah. couldn't resell and, and get, get to the sprint car level. Obviously, that was the main goal. So um, that's kind of why we just went all in and, and jumped into the smart car deal. So, um, I think I, met I mean, I think when you first, when 13, 14, when you first started sprint cars, if I'm not mistaken, yes. when I first met you. So say, so yep. I've, I've been watching you, um, going through your years in sprint cars. What, what is your biggest win? Or actually, let, let's oh, go, man, let's my go biggest, with, my biggest, when was your first win? Let's go off there. And then your biggest win. Ooh. Um, my first win in a sprint car, Crystal. Um, I can't remember how old I was. I was I was pretty young. Um, I would have been running a sprint car for a couple of years, um, but it was at Crystal with a three sixty, and that was when Saad was three sixty four ten at that oh. point. Um, so, and Chad Blonde, I beat Chad Blonde by like inches, um, and. You know, that was that was a statement to be made. You know, back then, Chad Vaughn was on fire. You know, he just got off the All-Star Tour and everything and, and was dominating at Butler and, and the Michigan area. So to beat him um, was really cool. Um, and, and that was in my dad's car. And that was my first win in a sprint car. And then we went back to the crate deal in, in Plymouth, and we ran the two years there. And then I ended up running 360 stuff again and, and then went to a 410. But I don't know, man. Probably my biggest win um, memory-wise, which is pretty cool, uh, would probably be the Pro Sprint deal down at Charlotte. That was that was a pretty cool deal. I remember you know, that. Racing on, I remember that. On such a, such, you know, you're such on such a big platform. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um Another cool one was was last year when I was running for Brett Lane. Um, you know he had he had a tough year at the end. I had a really tough year at the end of the year last year, and uh, we went to Atomic. Not really, you know. I mean, we we went to win obviously, and we knew we could win. But the thought, you know, you there. went there and well, right, and and we just wanted to have fun and do good, you know. Um, and we ended up, you know, getting fourth the first night and went back the next weekend and won. So. You know that was a pretty good, pretty good deal to kind of put my name on the map again. You know, um, after running Michigan and and Ohio stuff with NRA, you know that's all cool and great and everything. But you know, uh, on the national level, you really got to get your name out there at some point. And and Brett Lane really gave me an opportunity there. You know, they ran the All Stars and had a, had a big following and a lot of people paying attention to them. Um, so to win with them on the second night out was, was a huge uh, boost for my career. And then um, one of my things that I always have a conversation about with somebody when it comes to track safety was your wreck at Shady Hill. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's go through that a bit. Cause I, I remember hearing about it cause I worked in Winnemac at the time as like a correction yeah. officer. And I had a conversation and someone was like, yeah, somebody was in a ditch the other night at Shady Hill. <laughs> I, I remember seeing on Facebook, like in my mind, like that must have been scary from your standpoint because you're you're trapped essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I 
flipped upside down in the pond and it cleaned the wing off. Um, and the frame sunk into the muck that was in the bottom of it and couldn't get out. But, uh, I mean, obviously, obviously like there's nothing you can do. Um, and, and you, I started to freak out when I was underwater. Um, and I'm like, I'm like going to drown, you know, um, <laughs> obviously, you know, people are on their way. Yeah. Um, and hopefully they can get there fast enough. Um, I knew I was outside of the track, but, uh, fortunately everyone got to me in time. Um, I mean, I, I was underwater for quite a while. Um, but while I was just basically trying to like drink all the water and everything, uh, at some point I was like, I just need to hold my breath and probably just pass out. So then at least it's, nice and easy on me whatever the outcome is but uh but yeah uh luckily everyone got to me quick enough and uh got me out but you know at at some point everyone's like oh you're crazy for getting back in a sprint car well i mean yes and no i mean i mean when you're doing something you love and and something like that happens you don't think twice you know i mean if there was a spare car there and we could have got it ready for the feature you're damn right I would have got back in that thing. You know, that night. I mean, you know, you're you're you gotta be tough. This this sport isn't easy, you know. Yeah. I mean you know, you look at that and that that's nothing. You know, that's that's no big deal. Right now, you know, I just went from racing for a living to I've got no job, you know, you you gotta figure something out really quick and, and you know, that's where it will humble you so quick and and you gotta be tough. You know, you gotta be ready for, for every punch and you got to be able to to swallow your pride and and get back on the on the saddle and and get rolling again you know was that the scariest you ever were like you've ever been in a wreck yeah i mean it happened you know it happened so fast um that i mean the more you think about it yeah it it was it was scary you know i mean but you just like i said you got to keep rolling man i mean the the more you think about it and and the more you second guess yourself you're not you're not going to you're not going to go out there and do as good i believe and you know i think everyone that goes through and and tries to plan out exactly what they're going to do you know corner for corner doesn't work like that you know there's there's so many variables that are going to change and and you can't you can't physically mentally prepare yourself for what's going to happen i mean you know so i think you just got to train your mind and, and your reactions and, and everything that your your reaction and your senses are going to take over out there on the track. So, I mean, I guess it was it was scary, obviously, but you just got to got to kind of look past it and keep moving forward. So you're home now. Um, I did see your brother. He's been doing go karting. How how's that been with you? I saw you were there yesterday. Is that is that is, is that different for you? I, I know he enjoys it. I see he wins fairly often. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's it's fun. I mean, and and someone asked me, they're like, "Oh, how do you like that?" And and I said, you know, the 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 racing for a living. You know, every everyone thinks it's all fun and great and everything. It's a blast. Don't get me wrong. But when you have a bad night, it went from like we'll get them next week to it sucks. You know, you're you're upset. Like that's that's food off your table um, is, is how you got to be. Um, so every spot matters and, 
and so the pressure's on and you go out there and run the go-kart deal and it's it's no pressure you know and, and i can race with my family and everything and actually just so you know you'll you'll get a kick out of this i'm leading he was a little faster than me and we're 20 <laughs> feet from the end and he takes both of us out and i'm like dude we were gonna run one two and he's like well why'd you slow down I'm like, well, because there was a corner there, but yeah, so we got together and obviously we go to the tail with, with, I mean, we're 20 feet from the start finish line. Um, And, and I mean, it's not for money or or, or anything, but obviously I'm, I'm pretty competitive. Um, And I got out and I was like, use your head. Like, what are you doing? Like, come on, man. Um, But you know, I, I said a few choice words at him actually too, but um, <laughs> uh, that's just the brotherly love. But uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I it's hard. It's it's good. I think that he finally ended up getting into it. Um, obviously, at my at his age, I was in a sprint car running, yeah. so there's a big difference there. Um, but I think I think it's good that he's finally getting into it, and I I'm glad that I can be a part of his journey. Um, because I can tell him like, dude, this is the wrongs and this is the rights, you know, and, and try and steer him in the right way. Um, and he's just as bullheaded as I am. Um, so, you know, he thinks he knows better than me and whatever, but, um, once we cooled down and, and, and we talked about it, I, I was like, dude, you, you can't do that stuff. Like, you know, there's a couple people that was kind of wanting them to get in the mini sprint and, and run, run a couple laps for him. And I'm like, you know, you do that kind of stuff. You had a second place car, yeah. get second place. You know, yeah. second place is a lot better than tearing everything up. You know, you're in a go kart and and nothing happened. You know, luckily, um, and no one got hurt or whatever. But when you're in a mini sprint and everything, everything's a lot faster pace. Yeah. You do that kind of stuff. Chances are you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna cost some people quite a bit of money and and maybe hurt someone. So yeah. I mean, or, or in a sprint car or anything like that. So I said, you know, you gotta. Like those, those are those teachable moments that it's cool to be a, an older brother and and teach him that, you know, he needs he needs to cool cool it, you know, and and not drive emotionally. Um, you know, there's been several races where I'm like, man, I could have won that, but in you know, hindsight being 2020, yeah, you could have, but you don't know, you might have you might have absolutely destroyed you and someone else or or hurt someone, so. Um, it, it's pretty cool to be a part of his journey and, and really help him along the way and, and, uh, try and guide him in the right direction, even though sometimes it's a big, big struggle, but it's, remember, uh, it's fun for sure. I remember when they were first trying to get him in a mini sprint and he, he was not having it. He was enjoying no. the pits. Yep. Yep. So yep. It's, it's cool yeah, to see uh, that he's coming into his own form though, honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he was, he actually, the thing back then was his big thing was I'll go out there and race by myself, but no one else can be on the track. So, so it's pretty cool that, you know, now it went from like, no, he wants no one on the track to now he's like upset because there's not a hundred cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take you out. Yeah. Yeah. Spicy. You got anything? Well, I was just going to ask, um, what do you think is one of the most important things for these young drivers coming up to the sprint cars to have, whether it's, sponsors or a certain mental thing like what is the most important thing for them to have nowadays 
So, man, we were, it was funny you say that. I just had a really good conversation um, with a couple people this weekend um, about this. And, and me, me and my dad had a long conversation about this. You know, you look at, you look at Tanner Holmes. You know, he's a great example. You have to be approachable at all costs. It doesn't matter. At any point, you have to be approachable. It doesn't matter if you're out at dinner with your family, um, if you're in the race car, um, if you're in the pits standing there, you have to be very approachable because it's getting to the point where obviously politics and everything have changed since, you know, back in the day. Um, it went from being able to show talent and, and just raw talent of being able to drive and do good and everything, you know, that American badass of of Tony Stewart, what you see where, you know, they say he's the last American badass and everything. You just, that, it's hard to have that anymore unless you have money. Um, you have to be very approachable. You have to be marketable. Um, you look at Tanner Holmes, you know, was he a really good fit for the one? You know, yes, he was a great fit. And, and not necessarily because... You know, he hasn't won a lot of big races, um, but he has built the marketing side of it, like, tremendously. You know, he changed the whole marketing side of, of racing, I believe, you know, in, in the sprint car world. Um, you know, I think he said he's been doing it like six years or something, six or seven years as he's had that YouTube channel. Um, and, and, you know, it doesn't only make you money and everything, but... The good thing on that is it'll get you rides like that where, you know, that team obviously has been the underfunded team on the Outlaw Tour for years. I mean, and, and but still done good, you know, and and I think that was a really good fit for him for him to get in and showcase. I mean, you know, there was a there's probably a hundred other drivers that have been on the outlaw tour or all stars or done a lot more racing wise than he has that would fit that seat and, and do good. Um, but on the marketing side of everything, I mean, he was the best fit, I think. So I think at this point for all these young kids, be approachable, be marketable. Like, you know, it's so hard me coming from the, uh, a little older, you know, I know I'm young, but I still coming from the older generation where you know we didn't have that stuff when we were young you know we had youtube but it wasn't it wasn't tutorial youtube stuff you know what i'm saying like um it was now everyone gets on youtube to watch things you know you watch races on youtube you know back in the day you had to be there you know um and and or on mav tv you 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 bought a disc or a dvd of the replay of the race a month down the road, you know, now everything's online and you can, you can see all these races and, and everything live. Um, everything's on YouTube. So I think it, it's just the big difference of that. You know, you, all these young people, whether you have money or not, it still takes, it's who, you know, not what, you know, still, I mean, you know, I think that's a big deal. Um, so I think just, and, and I mean, it's hard, it's really hard to be marketable. I mean, people are, are not what they used to be. I mean, you know, you look at all these NASCAR drivers and everything, you see people post all the time. Well, I tried to get a signature. Well, but 
they don't also put that they might have been getting in their car at that point in time, had their helmet and everything on their gloves, and they got to get in because they got 30 seconds before they're late. But they didn't sign an autograph, so people are upset. You know, that's so hard, and, and, and Facebook and, and everything, social media-wise, um, you know, people people say things, and, and you, you don't really know how to take it. You know, you, you, you see one side of the story, and you don't see the other. So um, I think social media is basically the big key thing right now. I mean, it can make or break your career so fast, man. I mean, look at Hunt the Front in that case. I mean, they started out little, yeah. and look where they're at now. They've, they, in my opinion, they started the YouTube movement for drivers and everything. I mean, yeah, their merch, their cars, everything. I just think being able to put yourself in that spotlight, put your, let them see a day in your shoes, just helps tremendously in all aspects. And then you go to the other side, Facebook. I feel like Facebook ruins a lot of stuff for a lot of people like you you can go on facebook now and i guarantee you there's going to be a post bad mouthing somebody about something and i know 24 has been a discussion of topic for their rules but it's like they got forced to do it and now they're getting bashed on it by everybody on facebook i mean let, correct let, let's go to the wyatt miller situation uh, last year or two years ago if i can't i can't remember what year but the whole burnout situation Kelly Earnhardt yep. is a big figure in every form of racing. And for an outcomer that doesn't know 24, doesn't know the situation that happened a couple weeks before, they don't understand that that rule was in place for a thing. So they just go and pretty much just badmouth Jim and Deb. And it's just like, Correct. Facebook's going to ruin things for people as well as it's going to Correct. improve things. So it's one that mm-hmm. you, can, you, well, know, and... you can choose your battles. Right, right. Well, and like the problem with that is, you know, in the tracks defense, the rule was posted, yes, um, and everything. But you know, I get it. He's young. Um, you know, it's it's hard when when we're all young. We all think we're invincible. You know, we think we know better and everything. Um, and, and but the rules a rule. You know, in the tracks, the tracks part. You know, it, I think it was good that you know it sucks that it ha- had to happen to someone like that. Um, and, and it was such a big moment for him, but I think it was also cool that the track still stood their ground, even though it didn't matter who they were. Um, but that's just one of those deals, man. It's a freak deal. You know, like racing, racing nowadays has a lot of those freak deals. And, you know, back in the day they had them too, but no one heard about them because they didn't have social media. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you know, everyone's making a big deal about all these freak deals and we got to make it so much safer and everything. You know, you look back in the day, man. There was so many more people hurt and and killed and everything, but you you didn't hear about it. Yeah. You know, it was it was because of social media. So, and it goes back to what what we were just talking about. Social media can make or break your career, and and I mean, it's just that is the biggest thing right now in anything, in whether it's track promoter driver, doesn't matter. It, social media, media is like that's the thing. You get your name out there. That's how you do it. Correct. Yep. Exactly. Spicy, you got anything else? Well, I was going to ask here. So along with the, I know you said social media makes or breaks your career. Um, so I know you said it is a definitely a big tool to help, but 
for some of these people who may be, you know, t- that technical middle age for racing, mm-hmm. you know, they're probably still my age, you know, 18, but they're not in sprint right. cars yet. So they're, you know, they're middle aged already. Do you think Correct. that social media platform is still very helpful? Or do you think at that point it's almost kind of mute? No, I mean, I, I think it, it is, it doesn't matter the age. I mean, you look at Sammy Swindell. They still, they're still posting shirts. You know, you know the hashtag still winning deal. I mean, that is huge. You see that all over. You know, and and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, you see that still winning all over. I mean, you see all these young kids on there um, posting on it and everything. I think it's it's a tool for everything. I mean, but. You also see, like, Noah Gregson, you know, his deal, he likes one post. And it, I mean, that possibly just ruined his career. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's really tough. You look at the Kyle Larson deal, you know, social media is so big now. Like, but you will, I'll tell you this. If you really look at this and tell me that Kyle Larson couldn't get a sponsor after the whole deal whatever with him and Bubba and he's on the outs. Hendrix picks him up. No one will sponsor him. Hendrix puts Hendrix cars on it. Now tell me that after he wins, why is it on every single thing he drives? It's on the Indy car for next year. That just made him and made Hendrix that much better. I mean, you know, on the lowest part of his life, probably that he'll ever have, there was something that totally positive came out of that, um, of someone taking a risk on him. Um, and, but they promoted the crap out of that man. I mean, they, they promoted it so much. It was on a sprint car. It was on the NASCAR. And now, I mean, it's on the Indy car. I mean, everything he is going to drive Hendrix is all involved in now. Um, so, that's I guess that's a really good example where it can make or break your career. And I think even though it about broke his career, it also in then made it come back for, for better. So and then in still sticking with the young driver kind of theme here, when you're racing quarter midgets, did you ever think that the people you were racing against were ever going to be professional drivers as well? I don't know, man. I mean, obviously, like we, you know, you're running around. We get out of the go, out of the carts, and 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 all your dads are picking them up, putting them on the on the carts, and pulling back to the trailer and everything. And we could have just taken each other out, and we're all like high fiving, like let's go play football. Well, you know, we're let's go out in the out in the backfield. We're going to play football, or you know, we were playing wiffle ball or riding bikes and everything. You know, kids being kids, right? You know what I'm saying? So. And at that point, we're all talking, you know, we're going to go be world outlaw drivers and all this stuff. And, you know, you say all that stuff and, you know, at that point in time, you have no clue. You know, you have no clue what what is going to go on. You have no control over anything. Um, and and I think I think it, it ends up getting to the point where you start maturing and, you know, we were in many sprints and Justin uh justin was very fortunate to to run street stocks and everything out of plymouth 
and was killing it, man. I mean, he set several track records and everything, had a lot of big names behind him, and, and gets into ARCA, and, and then you're like, oh, man, we can do this. You know, like, you know, we were all talent level. I thought we were all the same, you know, in, in quarter midgets and everything. We were all we were all pretty close in talent. So, I mean, and then, then you look at Spencer Bass, then he gets, you know, gets some good rides in the midget and goes ra- racing for Keith Coons and, and – and you know, obviously, they had a little, little bit of more money backing them than than me and Justin at that point. You know, I and and I think then Justin finally gets a big break. You know, he was running some midget stuff and and got a big break to run some run some big time big time races for for some good people. Um, and and he, you know, he's turned out to be one of the the top racers in the country. Um, and so I think it was just, you know when you're young it, it's the dream and and you don't really know if it's going to come true or not but uh but i mean you can't you about got to ride the wave you know it, it's one of those things it's it's so hard to i wish i had a crystal ball to to see the future and everything but you just got to keep working for it you know i mean you can't quit even when when it sucks you know right now i'm sitting at home like thinking what am i going to do you know, i got to find a ride to finish out this season and everything um but Obviously, you just gotta keep calling. You gotta keep keep doing whatever you can do. Ever any ride you can get to get out there and and prove that you still got it and and everything. So, I think I think that's the big thing is in your kids. You you can't lose sight of your dreams and what your goals are. I mean, and and that was pretty good. Is that it from you, Spicy? That is it from me. That's it for me. You got any questions for us? We just grilled you for about 40 minutes. You got any questions for us? No, no. I, I, I do want to say that I, I really appreciate you guys doing this. This is pretty cool. And, and I think it it's cool that, I mean, you're seeing it more and more, you know, um, I think. And I think it's good to expose, expose talks and everything, um, you know, having Dirt 2 Media and everything, do everything and, and help you guys and, and, and you guys being – you know, the host of it and everything. It's just, it's cool. You know, me and Briar knew each other when we were young and everything. And, you know, I guess, let me put this this way. So you asked me when I was young, if, if I was going to be, if I knew I was going to do this, what, what, what did you guys think when you were young? Did you guys think you were going to be in this, in this position? No, I didn't. When I was younger, I mean, <laughs> you, you, like you said, we've been together, you know, my family, we don't have money. We don't yeah. really do a lot of things. I, I didn't know what I was wanting to be when I grew up. Even when I got out of school, I was still in between of what I wanted to do. And then Dirt to Media, I mean, I, like I said in the first episode, I started out with Fast 4. And my thought was, well, I can't afford a race car. So my next best thing is to kind of do social media, pictures, videos. Right. And now, like I said, I went to, I took went out on a limb with Fast 4 and shot the Sprague and high banks hustle with them a couple of years. And then I go to 24, I'm helping them with social media. I get in contact with Ryan with dirt to media. And then he's like, Hey, like, do you want to do some social, social media stuff? I was like, yeah, like that's what I want to do. Like my fiance and I have been in talks. Like we want to eventually move to Charlotte now mm-hmm. to do social media. Yeah. So when I was growing up, I never thought that I was going to be doing this type of stuff. I never thought I'd get paid to watch races or to right. essentially hang out in the pits and shoot video. Like to me, it's not work when I'm at the track, so I enjoy it. Yep. 
Spicy, let me hear this awkward-ass answer. So in my case, when I was a kid, you know, I raced for maybe one or two years. But after that, I absolutely hated racing. So seeing myself going to the track every week, you know, getting excited to go, um, even going to college for racing now, it's just I did not even see myself in a million years as a kid doing anything involved with racing, nonetheless doing social media stuff. Because I will tell you, even though I'm a kid, I couldn't tell you how to work most technology things. Like, it's it's amazing that my computer hasn't gotten a virus. I'm like a grandpa when it comes whoa, whoa, to that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why you been looking up, Spicy? <laughs> yeah, virus. Well, no, it's like you get those emails and I open them up. <laughs> oh, yeah, the emails. You know, nah. Oh, fucking email oh, my ass. But, yeah. yeah, no, like I, I and I, I get your side. Like, I mean, heck, I had to text Briar and I was like, how do I do this thing? <laughs> like, what am I doing? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's I, I think that's I think that's cool. Like that you guys are doing that, though. I mean, I think this this gives like people like me um, or or even younger people or older people, even you know, like you were saying, you know, the middle aged people that. Just being able to get on here, you know, it might might even be more of a struggle for them. Like, you might have to be like, be there and like, do it for them. That like, how to get the video? Because I didn't even know how to get the video. But anyways, uh, um, I think it's cool. Like, you should have saw Rodney. He got on here. (laughs) (laughs) My my whole thing is, if Rodney can get on here, anybody can get on here. Was he smoking? Was he smoking while he was doing it? No, he didn't have a stick the whole interview. Granted, it was oh awkward, my god, Spicy made it really awkward, even though that was his boss. Yeah, yeah I messed that one up pretty bad. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I I just remember a little off topic, but man, I remember walking in there, young, young, young. I mean, I don't even know. I was young. I mean. Me and Dawson were like little hellions running around the shop and swimming in the pool and everything. And uh, and I remember walking in there and Rodney turned around, wouldn't even say hi to my dad, and he'd be like Zayner every time. So <laughs> I remember that for, and he'd always say, ha, have it stuck out right like Zayner. You know, you know how it is. Uh, but man, he, he's a great dude, and. and I'm actually I'm I'm really happy that his his program is starting to really take off. You know, um, his stuff. He's got a good. His stuff he's is got a good. good young group in there. I mean, he's had sheets yeah. in the past two years. Camden Winter, and then Jack comes back on the micro sprint scene, and he gives them feedback on the new car. Like I th- I think Rodney <laughs> and that concept team they're set to do some big things. I mean, Caleb's leading yes. twenty four in points. Caleb on his own has been a terror, but still to have a driver like Sheetsy and Winners and everybody, like, it's a big deal for that concept crew. I agree. I agree. And, and you know, it, it, it get, this gives another statement to Rodney of, of how good he is and, and, and how he really shapes people, mm-hmm. not only just to do his stuff. You know, you look at Hunter Jackson, you know, Hunter Jackson moves down there with me and, and you know, obviously I wrecked a couple times this year and everything and then and we bent the bent the frame one night and hunter's like what do you think and i'm like we fixed it before like you fixed stuff at rodney's let's fix it and he's like all right so we get a sledgehammer and some torches out and we start fixing it and uh you know it, it was pretty funny and we we often joke and jokingly said 
oh, Rodney would be proud. Rodney would be proud, you know. So uh, it was it was pretty good. And, uh, you know, there there's definitely been a lot of stories of, of me and Hunter talking about Rodney and, and all the fun times that, that Hunter's had at Rodney's shop and everything. And, and, you know, I think it just gives a, a good statement to Rodney of, you know, of what he really does for the younger generation um, and and teaching, you know, not only to work on them to drive, drive good good quality cars and give good feedback and everything you know me and hunter have, have done really good together i feel like uh we can commu- we communicate really good um and and i feel like if that deal would have worked you know if a couple things would have done different been different and, and worked out in our favor with that deal down in north carolina it would have been it would have been really good you know we were there was a lot of big things to come with that team um and and i wish it would have happened um you know we were going to try and run the all-stars next year and everything and you know things there was just a couple things that we uh didn't see eye to eye on hunter didn't was kind of on kind of on my side and and uh you know it's it's unfortunate uh but you know i I can't i can't be upset i mean you know like i've ran the biggest race in sprint car racing that's ever been a part of this whole deal, uh, you know, I, I was a part of it and, and I had a shot of making the show um, and we blew up a motor. So, you know, it, it, there, it was a lot of good, you know, I, we had a lot of good runs in that thing. Um, you know, first night out, we were together. I think we raced like four races and we go to Atomic to run, a, run an all-star show and we end up with a top 10, you know, something that it's, you know, the all-stars are not easy. Uh, especially at Atomic, you know, you've got, you've got Cole Duncan and, and Skylar G and everyone there that, you know, it's not just against the all-stars that are good. You've got those guys that, you know, Cole Duncan, it doesn't matter if the outlaws or, or the all-stars come in, it doesn't matter who comes in there. He's going to be content in contention to win, you know? So it, it was a good operation. I think, uh, if a couple things would have went differently, it, it would have been a lot better, but you know, I just, me and Hunter did a lot of a lot of good together, and uh, you know I hope hope we can find something to do together and work together soon in the future again. So, well, Zane, we appreciate you coming on here. Uh, we appreciate you taking your time, letting us talk to you. I hope the best of you. I hope you find a ride, and I hope hope honestly, in my opinion, I'm not trying to be selfish. I hope it's local so I can come and watch you race once in a while. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. Say, for ever sure. since you've been in sprint cars, it's always been Michigan, like Alton yeah, Butler, yeah. and I, like yeah. I've I've really the yep. one time I got to, you were down and around here, like I've I always find something that I'm busy, but um, oh yeah, <laughs> I hope you find something soon. I hope everything works out again. On behalf of Dirt Media, it. we appreciate you coming on talking to us. I appreciate it. it was a it was a blast. I'm I'm glad you guys are doing this, and I think this is good for, like I said, for all ages and. And I think it's good for racing in general. So I appreciate you guys doing it. And, and thanks for Dirt 2, Dirt 2 Media for letting you guys do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, we appreciate it, Bob. All right. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Zane DeVault there. Good conversation with him. Good family member. It was interesting to hear where he's at now in his next steps after not having a ride going where he needs to go. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he does go. Uh, we had a good conversation with him after for about another good 15, 20 minutes about his next step, our next step, too, 
uh, he was really interested in what we have to do, what we want to do. So good guy to have on, good guy in general, good guy to see in the pits. So uh, I enjoyed it. What about you, Spicy? I enjoyed it, and I especially like the advice he kind of gave there because I asked a question about the younger generation. I think the younger generation might find some of his answers in that interview there really helpful to help potentially spark their career some. Say so he he it was great to have that conversation. Great to hear him talk. I'm happy to see that he's moving on from the bad, I guess. Um, that said, coming up on Dirt to Media this week, you have non-wing national micro sprint at Sweet Springs. They're going to be there for a two-night show for the Pete Fraser Memorial. Um, like I said, Friday Saturday show. Saturday's Paul Moore Memorial at US 24. Catch all the action on Dirt2Media.tv. Then after that, man, twenty or Dirt2Media goes on a roll here. They go to the KKM Challenge on the 7th, 8th, and 9th. They have the Micromania in Texas on the 21st, 22nd, and the 23rd, I believe. Um, and then they go to the Deuces Wild, which is the Dirt2Media's show. Uh, biggest purse in micro history. 28th, 29th, and 30th at US 24 Speedway. So Dirt 2 Media is going to be the place to be. So if you don't have a subscription, go out there, get a subscription to Dirt 2 Media. You're not going to want to miss any action coming up. So uh, with that said, I'm good to go. I enjoyed this podcast. Spice, you got anything? Nothing other than just keep it spicy, guys.